are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Monday, March 6th reading of the Greeley Tribune. My name is John Middleton. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Crews nearing finish of Renovated Library Innovation Center in downtown Greeley by Trevor Reed. Panelists discuss impacts of rising water prices on northern Colorado agriculture by Trevor Reed. Election 2023, Where Things Stand So Far in Greeley by Kelly Reagan, the NOCO Optimist, followed by miscellaneous articles. Crews nearing finish of renovated Library Innovation Center in downtown Greeley. High Plains Library District tentatively planning mid-May grand opening for new downtown library. By Trevor Reed. A new destination for downtown Greeley is nearing completion as crews finish construction of the High Plains Library District's Library Innovation Center expected to open in May. The 62,000-square-foot Library Innovation Center, or LINK, will feature traditional library space, maker spaces, an events area, a courtyard, innovation spaces, a children's museum, a recording studio, and more. In the library area, patrons will be welcomed by a river of books with curved bookshelves that are just one feature of the water-themed design of the building. The River of Books design continues into the children's section on the north side. On the outside of the building, perforations on a metal screen will display the northern Colorado watershed, allowing natural light in during the day and glowing at night. Crews are already moving in furniture and even beginning to shelve some books as the final construction is being completed. The district broke grounds in September 2021 after purchasing the former location of the Greeley Tribune for $4 million the month before. The Tribune moved to 2416th Street, Suite C, with mail accepted at P.O. Box 337-228, Greeley, Colorado, 80633-7228. The district's former downtown location was torn down to construct the Doubletree by Hilton uh, Greeley at Lincoln Park, 919 7th Street. The library has temporarily maintained a downtown branch in a small building at 1012 11th Street. City officials celebrated the hotel and conference center as a way to attract more conferences and events to Greeley. The, the link is getting similar praise as its innovation or innovative features are expected to attract more people to downtown Greeley. City officials recently approved an updated strategic plan for downtown Greeley, which identifies three sub-areas, Central Downtown in the northwest, University Uptown to the south, and the Railway District, mostly east of 7th Avenue. The link will sit in the Central Downtown at the edge of the Railway District, 
which officials envision as a makerspace district. The link will feature multiple makerspaces or areas that offer patrons an opportunity to create in different media using a variety of equipment, including one near the entrance with laser cutters, 3D printers, and UV printers. At the north end of the building, innovation spaces will be available with a wet and dirty space where classes could be taught on everything from oil changes. The innovation spaces have garage doors opening to the outside to blood spatter analysis. A loud and dirty space will be available for woodworking, including a table saw and other tools. James Molina, High Plains Library District Community Relations and Marketing Manager, said the innovation spaces will be flexible for all kinds of crafting. Across from the innovation spaces is a soundproof recording studio with rooms where guests can record podcasts and videos with a green screen. Melena said the library worked with Philip Van Drunen of the bike shop agency in Greeley to configure the space. A centrally located arts and crafts space will also connect to an interactive children's museum installation on the second floor. The installation will feature LED panels with RGB lighting control, a paper airplane and rocket launcher cabinet, and an interactive track with ball feeders. Workstations will also be available. Wes Bruce a former Greeley resident and previously an artist-in-residence at the Children's Museum of Denver, is working on an art installation included with the children's exhibit. He's, working, he's also working with the library's water theme in the space. He's creating a whole language for water here, Melina said. Among the plan features are special sounds or music, that can be heard only in certain locations in the installation and coordinated buttons to trigger a holographic display. On the other side of the, on the west side of the building, the link will be able to host up to 192 people in an event space with an elevated platform for speakers or performers. Molina said the space could even accommodate conventions at the Doubletree that may need additional space. Construction is expected to be completed in April with a grand opening tentatively planned in mid-May. Panelists discuss impacts of rising water prices on northern Colorado agriculture by Trevor Reed. As rising water prices in northern Colorado increase strain on local agricultural operations, innovative practices will be key to sustaining local farms and ranches. For speakers at the Poudre River Forum on Friday at the University of Northern Colorado discuss the kinds of practices they believe can support agriculture and areas where they believe communities should tread with caution. Adam Jokerst, Rocky Mountain Regional Director for Westwater Research and Greeley's former Deputy Director for Water Resources, 
opened the panel on water and agriculture with a presentation on the forces driving up water prices in northern Colorado. Northern Colorado water, Joker said, is the most expensive water in the state and among the most expensive water in the nation. It's also where most water trading is occurring in the state, he added. As the population continues to grow in the region, more municipal water providers are purchasing water rights to ensure they'll have water for new residents. About two-thirds of the water is bought from agriculture, and about 83% of it is going to municipal use, Joker said. Most of the state's water comes from the West Slope, from which the Front Range diverts about 500,000 acre-feet each year. With concerns about Colorado River supply and the current political environment, diverting more water doesn't seem likely, Joker said. Instead, water districts have largely worked on projects to create storage to meet the rising demand. But these projects have only grown in cost over the years, also driving up the price of existing supplies, Joker said. He mentioned the Northern Integrated Supply Project, or NISP, as one of the projects in which costs have turned up to be three to five times more expensive than originally projected. Finally, 40 different water providers in the region are competing for the same water resources driving up prices, Joker said. However, not all water prices have been increasing at such a rate. Joker displayed a graph showing that as water shares that can be bought and used by municipal providers have increased in price, untreated water that can't be accepted for municipal dedication has held stable. Not all water is created equal, he said. Rob Johnson, a real estate broker at A. Bruce Johnson and Associates and owner of Eaton Organics, said land transactions have a similar trend. Along much of the northern front range, Municipal interests and developers are conducting most of the land transactions. East of U.S. 85, however, many of the transactions are agricultural users or investors. This is because water in the area isn't usable for municipalities or developers. Agriculture supports billions of dollars of economic activity in the region, including supporting dairy farms that supply milk to value-added dairy producers such as Laprino Foods in Greeley and Nusa Yogurt in Bellevue, according to Rob Graves, a co-founder of Nusa and owner of Morning Fresh Dairy Farm. Graves, a fourth-generation dairy farmer, said this is part of why supporting agriculture with continued access to water is so important. Though the region was previously growing more feed than there were cows, Graves said, dairies showed up to meet the demand of these new companies, bringing in more cows than feed and fueling demand for agriculture. To keep agriculture alive, Graves identified two factors that could help support local farmers. For one, more water storage is needed. 
Federal regulations have slowed the ability of such projects to work quickly, Graves said. Federal permitting on NISP, for example, began in 2004, but didn't get final approval until December. Second, Graves said that Northern Water could aid farmers and cities working with farmers to rent water by giving guidance on how much water they expect to allocate over the next two or three years. With the current process in which the allocations are announced at the April board meeting, Graves said it feels much like the lottery. Johnson said another important factor to keep agriculture preserved in the area is taking a careful look at how we extract or get value out of every drop. This includes irrigation improvements and regenerative agriculture such as cover crops and reducing tillage. Johnson also praised NISP with its Water Secure program to bring conservation easements that require water to stay on farmlands and the city of Greeley's water marketing program in which it leases out additional water in wet years to local farms. These innovative practices, he said, help prevent buy and dry practices that are shrinking agriculture. As water scarcity becomes a growing concern, some have turned to vertical farming as a water-efficient way to grow crops year-round. But this practice comes with trade-offs, explained Reed Maynard, a Colorado State University graduate student in the Interdisciplinary Training, Education, and Research in Food Energy Water Systems program. Vertical farming systems, usually hydroponics, involve growing crops, usually leafy greens, in a vertical space to stack plants in a controlled environment. These systems, Maynard noted, require clean water that can't be taken from agricultural ditches. They also typically require heavy lighting, heating and cooling, dehumidification, and lots and a lot of structures. Gotham Green, for example, is spending more than $10 million to construct its facility in Windsor. In his research, Maynard found that vertical farming is much more water efficient, but up to 12 times more energy intensive, creating a lot of pollution. In more efficient closed greenhouse systems, they're still about five times more energy intensive, he said. I'm a little bit skeptical of these systems, he said. It's going to be community to community. The consumers, producers, water providers, they're all going to have to consider what is right for our community. Election 2023, where things stand so far in Greeley, by Kelly Reagan, the NOCO optimist. It's still early, but it is just about time to get those wheels turning for the 2023 election season. Itself will take place November 7th. This year will be a big one for local government, as there are several seats up for election in Greeley. Seats up for election on Greeley-Evans School District 6 Board of Education. Three board members have terms set to expire this year, including Vice President Terry Pappas, Brenda 
Campos Spitz and Natalie Mash. So far, none of the three incumbents have filed to run for re-election. August 9th is the first date to circulate nomination petitions. September 1st is the last date to file a nomination petition. September 5th is the last day to file as a write-in candidate. Contact your local school district office or the county clerk and recorder's office to obtain nomination a nomination petition. Stacy Castile has announced. Stacy Castile announced she's running for school board, filing with the state January 6th. According to her website, she has three children two who attend Greeley West High School, and one who attends Dayspring Christian Academy. She serves on West's Accountability Committee and volunteers with the Weld Faith Partnership Council. I want to be a voice for the students that are currently underserved by the school district, she wrote on her website. I'm also running to take action on the concerns of all district teachers and staff in an effort to appeal to and retain strong educators. On her campaign's Facebook page, Castile has criticized LGBTQ plus support groups such as Splash Youth of Northern Colorado and teacher training efforts in Poudre School District called ABCs of LGBTQIA+. She has also criticized books available at District 6 libraries, such as Beloved by Toni Morrison, requesting parental consent for students to be able to check out the book. On her personal Facebook page, Castile has also shared images referring to folks in the LGBTQ plus community as Wolves in Sheep's Clothing. Rashid Garza filled a candidate affidavit, or filed a candidate affidavit. Rashid Garza filed a candidate affidavit with the state February 11th, signaling a run for the Board of Education, though the website listed GarzaFord6.com was not yet up and running as of this publication. Garza is a recent Greeley West High School graduate. In 2022, Garza was awarded the Daniels Fund Scholarship, a scholarship based on academic success as well as character, leadership qualities, and commitment to contributing to the community. The NOCO optimist reached out to learn more about Garza's goals as a candidate, but he did not respond by publication time. Seats up for election on City Council. There are several seats on the Greeley City Council up for election this year. Mayor. John Gates has announced he is running for his fourth and final term. No one has yet challenged Gates. Ward 1. Tommy Butler has announced he's running for re-election. No one has yet challenged Butler. At-large. Ed Clark currently holds the at-large seat. Uh, he has not yet announced plans to run for re-election. That means no one has technically announced they are running for the at-large seat yet. Interested in becoming a candidate? 
To qualify, you must be a U.S. citizen, be at least 21 years old, hold no other elective office, have no felony convictions, have been a resident of Greeley for at least one year immediately prior to the election, and if running for a ward-based office, be a resident of that ward for at least 90 days. For more information on how to run for office, go to GreeleyGov.com. Kelly Reagan is the founder and senior editor of the NOCO Optimist. You can usually find her covering Greeley and Weld County government. Have a tip? Let her know at the NOCO Optimist at gmail.com. Find more NOCO Optimist content at www. .thenocooptimist.com Evans Police Department. Evans starts the weekend off with Coffee with a Cop by Tamara Markard. The Evans Police Department embraced the tale that all cops love donuts and turned it into an engaging community event. The department hosted Coffee with a Cop on Saturday at the Evans Community Complex with of course, coffee and donuts, but also opportunities to meet Chief Rick Brandt and other officers. While the event was originally created to be an annual affair, the last time the department was able to host Coffee with a Cop was back in 20, February 2020 before the pandemic that shut in-person gathering down, explained Teresa McClatchy, Community Relations Administrator for the Evans Police Department. The event strengthens our partnership with community, she said. Oftentimes, people only see us on a bad day. Here we get to enjoy hot drinks and sweet treats and answer questions from community members. In addition to helping themselves to donuts provided by Walmart and downing hot beverages from Ziggy's Coffee, attendees explored some of the, year, the gear that officers use in their day-to-day work, such as protective vests, handcuffs, badges, and helmets. Attendees also got to check out the inside of a patrol car and hopefully get an idea of why they don't want to end up in the back of one. Coffee with a Cop is also a great way for people to learn about the different career paths within the Evans Police Department. The department is recruiting candidates for officers to help fill its staff, McClatchy said. The department will be considered fully staffed once they have 37 officers on the force. Some of the assignments officers can participate in include Drug Task Force, Drone Pilot, Regional SWAT Team, Field Training Officer, Arrest Control Instructor, Detective, Traffic Unit, Community, School Resource Officer. Starting salaries range from $73,300 to $93,546 with health, dental, and vision benefits, as well as retirement contributions and educational tuition. Qualified candidates can receive a $10,000 signing bonus.
We're, we've sworn in half the kids here, said Chief Rick Brandt, laughing. This event is a great way for us to introduce people, especially kids, to the department and what officers do. People can come and meet us and see that our officers are humans, just like everyone else. For more information on applying for a position with the Greeley Evans Police Officer Police Department, pardon me, go to http colon slash slash bit dot ly slash three yd eight x gs three yd eight x gs. The Evans Police Department will also host a drug take back day, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturday, April 22nd in the Sam's Club parking lot at 3247 23rd Avenue. The free event offers residents the opportunity to spring clean their medicine cabinets and safely get rid of any expired or unused prescription drugs. Folks interested in participating can do so by bringing any expired or unused medications and handing them to first responders working the event. The event is open to all community members within and around the city of Evans. For more information on upcoming community events from the city of Evans, go to www.evanscolorado.gov. 100 years ago, Greeley youth get indefinite jail term for violating liquor laws. By Mike Peters for the Greeley Tribune. 100 years ago for the first week of March 1923. From the pages of the Greeley Tribune Republican newspaper. A Greeley juvenile was sentenced to an indefinite term in the Buena Vista Juvenile Jail for violations of of the liquor laws of Greeley and Colorado. It was his second arrest. He is also being investigated for selling whiskey to the Ku Klux Klan members in Greeley. Special Hot One Note Although Mr. and Mrs. Tut are dead, they are still setting fashions in Greeley, something that many Greeley and Weld County citizens would be willing to die for. The agricultural courses at farm towns in Weld County are short of teachers. Subjects include food selection, livestock feeding, farm accounts, child feeding, and dry land crop selection. Anyone qualified to teach these classes is asked to talk to school members. Some spokesmen have suggested that we make gramophone records of speeches by political leaders. This will let future generations know what we have had to put up with. Ole Olson of Greeley wanted to be a railroad man, so he started a job at the Roundhouse as a railroad engine wiper, oiler, oiler and cleaner. He was warned many times not to waste oil because it is so expensive. Then, as he was about to be promoted to engineer, he was asked as an engineer of a train, and he turned a corner and saw that his train was going to crash into another train from the other direction, what would he do? He answered, 
I'd grab the damn oil can and jump off the car. The United States may be facing new problems because members of the U.S. Congress are considering adjourning. That would mean the country would be without leadership for nine months. The alt-first graders are enjoying making new furniture for their classrooms and homes. The furniture is made of paper. The game of basketball is becoming more and more popular in colleges across the nation. By the end of this year, attendance to games could reach one million. Of course, that doesn't compare with college football, but basketball is growing. Bill met his death the same way his father did years before. He was sitting in a rocking chair outside his home when he was struck by lightning. His father was also killed in the same chair by a bolt of lightning years ago. The Reverend Walter Fowle will deliver a sermon this Sunday entitled, The Greatest Sinner in Greeley. Reverend Fowle is not yet revealing who that sinner might be. One hundred years ago is taken from the original pages of the Greeley Tribune, the Weld County Republican, and when they merged, the Greeley Tribune Republican. Questions or comments may be sent to mrpeters26 at comcast.net. Editorial Focus should be on saving Social Security. Even by Washington, D.C. standards, the situation is absurd. On one hand, a bipartisan group of senators is discussing changes to Social Security, including the possibility of raising the retirement age to extend its solvency. On the other, the Supreme Court is weighing the legality of President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, the cost of which is close to half a trillion dollars. A loan forgiveness, as loan forgiveness advocates and activists profess, students face crippling debt from high tuition costs. Paying back their loans makes it all but impossible to buy a home or take other important steps on the path to the American dream. Representative Ayanna Presley told Politico's Massachusetts Playbook that failure is not an option. I'm not conceding defeat, Presley said, hours after justices heard arguments over the debt relief plan. She and Senator Elizabeth Warren spent two years pressing President Joe Biden to enact. Debt relief would be transformational, Presley said, for those struggling to buy homes or pay for child care. It would also have transformed a transformational effect on the national debt, all but guaranteeing that spending cuts will be on the table in the future for social service and other programs. While the High Court is debating whether Biden's student loan forgiveness plan is justified under the HEROES Act of 2003, much of the argument around it hinges on fairness. It's allegedly unfair to make student borrowers have to pay back the loans they took out, and it's unfair that those 
who took out huge loans have big chunks of their budget eaten by those payments. But it's also unfair that people who worked to pay off their loans, and did, are out in the cold, as are those who never went to college, but whose taxes will bear the brunt of the $400 billion bill down the road. It's also unfair for seniors on Social Security to have to worry if they'll have enough money to live on. They've worked for decades, paid into the system, and now fear that the fund will become insolvent. The specter has been raised for years through several administrations, and the can keeps getting kicked down the road. The retirement age used to be 65, and now it's 67. If you need to retire before that, you lose benefits. The Biden administration has no qualms about passing a $1.2 trillion infrastructure law and promoting a $400 billion student loan forgiveness plan, but has made no move to bolster Social Security with a similar influx of cash. A report released by the Congressional Budget Office earlier this month warned that the Social Security Trust Fund could run out of money by 2032, a year earlier than previously expected, without changes to existing policies. As The Hill reported, the senators involved in the bipartisan group say they are trying to keep the talks from becoming politicized. Cuts in spending will always be politicized when lawmakers use fiscal policies to promote their own agendas and court-prized voting blocks. Student loan forgiveness has grabbed the national mic and isn't letting go. Funding Social Security deserves the same level of advocacy. That is from the Boston Herald editorial, board editorial of March 1st. Goodbye to sunshine for a few days. Wintry mix in the forecast for Weld County, says the National Weather Service. Freezing rain, drizzle, fog, and snow could arrive to Greeley, Weld County this week. By Ann Delaney. Following a weekend with sunshine and temperatures in the mid-50s, the weather is projected to change quickly this week for Greeley and Weld County, with the words wintry mix appearing in the National Weather Service forecasts. The high Sunday was 55 degrees at the Greeley-Weld County Airport, but those conditions could give way to a slight chance of freezing rain and fog Monday night. The daytime high Monday is expected to be near 42 degrees with sunshine. Sunny skies might not return until late in the week, according to the NWS. On Tuesday, the NWS said there is a chance of freezing drizzle before noon, a chance of drizzle later in the day, and a chance of snow after 2 p.m. Tuesday is expected to be mostly cloudy with a high near 39 degrees. The chance of precipitation is low for Tuesday at 20%. There is another chance for a wintry mix Wednesday with snow, drizzle, and rain, according to the NWS. Wednesday's high is expected to be near 40 degrees. 
the chance of precipitation Wednesday is 30%. On Tuesday and Wednesday nights, there is a chance of drizzle rain, snow with a higher chance coming on Wednesday night at 50%. The low temperatures are expected to be in the mid to upper 20s both nights. Partly sunny skies could return for Thursday. The NWS says the day will be breezy with a high temperature of 42 degrees. Wiley Roots Brewing, honoring the ladies for International Women's Day. By Tamara Markard. In honor of International Women's Day on Wednesday, breweries from across Colorado are either crafting or tapping special beers, hosting events and activities to celebrate all women. Wiley Roots Brewing Company at 625 3rd Street in Greeley is participating in the event on Wednesday with a release of its She is Bold, an American lager dry hopped with a 2022 Pink Boot Society hop blend. The brewery is continuing the festivities at 6.30 p.m. Thursday with a Women's Day-themed music bingo hosted by Michaela. At 1 p.m. Saturday, the brewery is hosting Hopping into Vehicle Confidence with the Car Lady Automotive Car Education class. Tickets for the event include a Car Lady certification, Wiley Roots Car Decal, your first drink, and a one-hour informational class. The event is open to adults age 21 and older, and tickets are $35.88 per person. For more information or to purchase tickets, go to http colon slash slash bit dot ly 3kzowbg 3kzowbg. To learn more about Wiley Roots Brewing Company, go to www.wileyroots.com. Raindance resident fights to keep his comical yet controversial lawn decoration. By Tamara Markard. One of the privileges of owning a home is the ability to make it your own through decorations, landscaping, paint colors, and decor, both inside and out. For Sean McGarry, a resident of Windsor's Raindance community, he was given the opportunity to show the community just how much he truly is king of his castle when a unique yet slightly controversial item surprisingly showed up. Shortly before Halloween, McGurry turned returned home to find a random toilet sitting in his front yard. I'm kind of a really positive person and try to find the best in every situation, so instead of getting mad, I thought, let's have fun with this thing, McGarry explained. The next day, McGarry bought a gleaming gold skeleton and plopped it right down on the toilet seat. A few days later, someone added a candle, magazine, and toilet brush to the display. Just as the weather changes with the seasons, so have the toilet's decorations. For Thanksgiving, McGarry pulled out his turkey decoy to sit on the throne and surrounded it with a large inflatable turkey and turkey yard stakes. When it 
came time to decorate for Christmas, McGarry was inspired by this reason for the season and gifted the community with another shining lawn display. This time the toilet was transformed into Santa's sleigh, complete with light-up reindeer and a big cheery snowman. For Valentine's Day, the toilet was tuned into a, turned into a kissing booth. While McGarry admits that he just threw together February's decorations, it's no less fun with its bright pink toilet seat beckoning someone to stick their head through it to share a kiss with their sweetie on the other side. McGarry was still waiting for March's decorations to come in when my Windsor spoke with the homeowner, but if he stays true to his word, it will surely be another display folks won't want to miss. And each month, with each month filled with either holidays or celebrations like the National Donut Day, Bladder Health Month, or sporting events like the Super Bowl, McGarry has an endless selection of ideas to choose from when it comes to decorating the toilet. I've met so many people in my neighborhood because they just come over. I can't believe, believe how much this thing has blown up, McGarry said. I want to keep it going. Despite the humor, the commode has been a thorn in the side of the HOA. On February 1st, McGarry received a letter from Advanced HOA Management out of Denver warning him that the toilet is in violation of the HOA's codes. The HOA notified McGarry that he needs to attend a board meeting to file a formal plan and outline to the Architectural Review Committee for consideration of approval of his new lawn decoration. However, McGarry disagrees. After scouring the HOA's rules and regulations, the toilet falls into a gray area. If I read the rules right, I can literally move it to the backyard and they can't do anything about it, McGarry said. I don't think they can do anything about it because it's not a permanent structure. My Windsor was able to track down a copy of the Raindance HOA rules and regulations. Online, after reading the document line by line, McGarry may, will, may well be in his right to keep the controversial lawn decor. According to the Decorations, Seasonal and Holiday section of the document, approval is not required as long as the decorations comply with certain standards listed by the HOA. Some of the standards include figurines, lawn ornaments, or other displays may not be mounted on roofs or located outside of lot fences. Sensitivity to light levels should be applied when installing decorative holiday lighting. Exposed spotlights are prohibited. Decorations for any other holiday may be displayed no more than two weeks prior to the holiday and must be removed within one week following the holiday. And since the toilet is not a permanent display and can be moved, the HOA's rules around permanent decorations decor 
also do not apply to McGarry's lawn toilet. There's no member of the HOA who lives here. They are picky and choosy to when they drive through. There are houses that have been here from the original area build, and they have no fences or no painted fences, no landscape, said Janelle Friday, who lives directly behind McGarry. My aunt knows how to find us because of the toilet. It's not harmful to anyone. It's not offensive. We love it. It brings more joy than anything, Brett Friday added. To see the entire Rain Dance HOA guidelines and use standards, go to https colon slash slash dot bit dot ly slash 3KY74I74HR. 3KY74HR. My Windsor reached out to Matt Esposito, Community Manager of Rain Dance with Advanced HOA Management, for comment about the possible HOA violations and what the management company planned to do about McGarry's unusual lawn decoration. Esposito declined to comment about the situation. McGarry decided to take his plea to keep the commode to the public and started a GoFundMe page to help cover any HOA fees as well as purchase new decorations for the toilet. I actually started the GoFundMe as a joke. I just can't believe it's turned into this, he said. As of the end of February, McGarry's GoFundMe was up to $335. Donations range from $5 to $50. One anonymous purchase, uh, person pitching in $100 toward the cause. Some of the people donating to the fund left funny and supportive messages to McGarry and his mission. We take piano in the neighborhood and my kids crane their heads out of the window to see what the toilet looks like this week, wrote Nicole Meldrum. Sabrina Miller penned a heartfelt plea that reads, Our family cannot imagine how dreary our lives would be without this fine decor greeting us every morning as we start our days and each night before laying our heads down to get a good night's rest. I beg the community to band together in this very important time and save our neighborhood mascot. While several of the residents in the neighborhood get a boost out of his unique lawn decor, some are not so keen on the commode. My Windsor knocked on the door of one of McGarry's neighbors to get their take on the toilet and was met with hesitation and the comment, he's a good neighbor, so I really don't want to say anything. McGarry has also received some flack over the toilet from fellow residents in posts to the Rain Dance Community Facebook page. Some neighbors don't like it and think it's inappropriate, he said. The decorated toilet isn't McGarry's first attempt at trying to make people laugh and smile. During COVID, he and some of his friends were part of the Crumble Bandits. The group would purchase crumble cookies and randomly leave them on doorsteps of neighbors, co-workers, strangers, and friends. The group 
was similar to the popular wine ninjas who did the same thing except with goodie baskets of wine, spirits, beer, and other treats. My dad died about nine years ago, and before he died, one of the last things he said to me was, Life must be lived, and it must contain laughter, McGarry explained. So I've taken that as a mission to make as many people smile and laugh as possible. For updates on McGarry's campaign to keep the lawn commode, or to make a donation to his GoFundMe account, go to http colon slash slash bit.ly 3EISST3. That's 3EISST3. To see the infamous toilet in person or to snap your photo alongside the possible historical icon, head over to 17, the 1700 block of Country Sun Drive in Windsor and look for the gleaming porcelain throne in the yard. Obituaries. An obituary for Mary Julia Godinus Gossman, September 5, 1929 to February 25, 2023. Marie Julia Godinus Gossman, age 93, died of natural causes related to dementia on Saturday, February 25th, at Brookdale Meridian Senior Living Center in Englewood, Colorado. Marie was born on September 5, 1929, to William Henry and Louisa Julia Gunther Gudinas. She was educated in Palmyra and Rochester, New York, and graduated from Nazareth Academy. After a brief employment at Eastman Kodak, she met and married James Leo Gossman on October 19, 1957, at Sacred Heart Cathedral. Today they had four to, to together. Pardon me. They had four daughters: Martha Mary, Anne Margaret, Ruth Catherine, and Carla Frances. They moved to Greeley, Colorado, in October 1969. Marie spent much of her adult life volunteering at various service agencies in both Rochester and Greeley. She also attended courses at Ames Community College and the Denver Catholic Biblical School. She was involved in various activities at St. Mary Catholic Church and served eight years on the Elder Hostel Advisory Board at the University of Northern Colorado. Marie was preceded in death by her parents, her husband, her sister, Ruth Gudinas, and two daughters, Anne Depp and husband Darrell, and Carla uh, Gossman and husband Don Wright. She is served, survived by her daughters, Martha Stroman and husband Mike of Highlands Ranch, Ruth Gossman and husband Jamie Mannon of Pangburn, Arizona, grandchildren, Tim Stroman and wife Sarah, Andrew Depp, Laura Stefanina and husband Mario, and great-grandsons Kellen Stroman, Giuseppe, and Ilio Stefanina. There will be no public services. Suggested memorials are St. Mary, Roman Catholic Church, and United Way of Well County, both located in Greeley. An obituary for Garda Leon. 
Lugardita Esperanza Garda Leon, 80, of Greeley, passed away on February 27th. She was born April 26, 1942, in Blanca, Colorado, to Manuel D. and Telesfora Ariano Garcia. At the age of eight, her family moved to the Severance area. On October 20, 1965, she married Orlando Leon at St. Peter Catholic Church. In her early years, Garda worked at the Bracewell Grocery Store, was an Avon representative, and cleaned homes and businesses. She was an, a QVC queen, buying many items from the TV. She loved to shop and enjoyed her time with the grandkids and supporting their activities. July 4th barbecues were a favorite event she hosted. She loved to garden, volunteered at Room at the Inn, and was a devout Catholic at St. Peter Catholic Church. Survivors include her daughter, Michelle Corgan, and husband Ryan, four grandchildren, Marcel Liscano, Kylie Corgan, Savannah Leon, and Brady Corgan, as well as one great-grandchild, Camblin Liscano, her sister Marianne, Roy Ball, and husband Lee, and numerous nieces and nephews. She was preceded in death by her son, Michael Leone, her ex-husband, Landy Leone, her parents and siblings, Edemia Lobato, Denny Medina, Corey Garcia, Lucille Garcia, and Virginia Martinez. Garda's visitation will be held from 4 to 6 p.m. Wednesday, March 8th, at Adamson, with a recitation of the Rosary to begin at 6 p.m. Mass of Christian Burial, 9.30 a.m. Thursday, March 9th, at St. Peter Catholic Church. Interment at Lynn Grove Cemetery, with a reception to follow at the church. Memorial gifts may be made to Catholic Charities in care of Adamson, 2047th Avenue, Greeley, 80634. Condolences may be shared at adamsoncares.com. Thank you for joining us for the Greeley Tribune. My name is John Middleton. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.